Thank you for listening to the Risen Community Church podcast. Risen Church exists to point all people to a new life with Jesus. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and inspired by this message and that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus Christ through it. To learn more about Risen Church or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on social media or visit risencommunity.church. That's risencommunity.church. This is our sixth week of talking about the seer's life. We started talking about the walk of Adam and Eve in the garden and how they decided to disobey God and eat from the tree of the good, the knowledge of good and evil, and how things changed since then. And uh, I always like to start with a thought from uh, our uh, previous uh, message, which is the power of the words. And we talked about how our words, when they come out of our mouth, they are so powerful, they can change lives. They can declare war or they can declare peace. They can divide or they can unify. They can bring our kids to a different level, or we can actually, thank you, or we can actually, nice. <laughs> no, thank you. Or they can, they can bring death to them. And I shared with you a couple of stories how God, um, how, how people, even us as parents, we can actually speak life into our, our kids, or unintentionally, because we're so busy, we can actually put them down. And, Sometimes we can derail uh, them off God's calling for them. So today I'm going to talk about the power of worship. The power of worship, it's, it's really a cool um, thing for me. I thought about it for quite a few events, and it has a special place in my heart because it basically puts us in a spot where we can get unified with God and it's working now. Thanks, Daniel. So, so when we worship God, it's actually, it's a warfare. We talk about spiritual warfare. So when we worship God, God is actually preparing us to go through that warfare. It's basically, that's the original plan for God is to prepare us because he knew that we knew, he knew that we're going to get attacked. He knew we're going to have to fight the enemy. So that's how we worship God first, and then through that, God will walk in front of us. You know, going through the wars, the Israelites, I'll give you the example, the Battle of Jericho, they always, always had a worship leaders, worship team leading their foot soldiers, for example, to prepare the atmosphere, to open the doors. And that's what they did. So you got the worship team, they led the army, and then from there, the wall of Jericho just fell down flat. And then after that, the army attacked. So always, always they had worship leaders leading up front, preparing for battles. And that's what worship means. In worship, we have to be preparing for the enemy because we know that we know it's going to attack us somehow, somewhere. So the power of worship. So today we're going to talk about what does it mean to worship God. The second thing we're going to talk, how are we to worship God? And the third thing I'm hoping I can get covered is who is to worship? Who is called to worship? Next Sunday, I'm going to finish with why we are called to worship. Why are we called to worship? There is reasons for us 
that we are called to worship. So we know what we, we're going to cover and unpack what does it mean to worship God, how we're going to worship God, and how are we called to worship God, and then who is called to worship God, and then next week we'll go over the why. So what does it mean to worship? Before we actually go there, we have to look at the, the difference between prayers, what prayers mean versus worship. There is a big difference. So when we pray, the biblical purpose for prayer is not really just to ask for our needs and our petition to be answered. God designed prayer for us so we can interact with God. So when you and I, we study the Bible, this is our way of, for God to speak back to us. That's why when we read the Bible, we don't do it as a chore, we do it as an obligation, as a way of allowing God to come into our life and a way that God will talk to us and tell us what needs to be done, gives us support, tells us um, new ideas, tells us that forgiveness is a good thing, uh, show us his love, um, show us his mercy, show us his grace. That's when we read the Bible, we get connected with God attributes, and God in the process speaks back to us. But when we pray, this is our way of connecting with God, interacting with God. This is our, you and I, this is our chance to let God know how we feel and what's going on in our lives. So prayer is our way of interacting with God so we can get to know God in the process. Worship, it's different. So there is four types of prayers, and it's, it's common, we all do, but we don't really realize them. But the first one is adoration, is when we praise God, when we honor God for who He is as God, and we realize that He is the creator of everything, that also He's in control of everything. Even the things that we think it's in control, He's still in control. The second type of prayer is confession. This is when we pray and put all our sinful lifestyle and our sins right at the feet of Jesus, right at the cross. The third type of prayer is thanksgiving, where we give thanks and praise to God for all the blessings that He imparts over our household, our lives, our career, our kids. And then the last one is the supplication. This is the prayer that we ask for our needs and wants to be answered. So we have to be careful. When we pray to God, it's really designed for us to get to know God, get to know Him, and that's what He designed prayers for. But also the second part of prayer is to ask for those type of prayers. But we cannot take it lightly that when we pray, it is really our way of interacting with God. And in the process, we can ask for whatever prayer we need. Again, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, or, or supplication. And that's really how it works. So when we pray, we are called to pray for ourselves and also for everybody around us, our neighbors, right? So this is prayer. So worship, it's worship. This is really what worship means. So when we worship somebody, we believe down deep in our hearts that this person is worthy of our worship. And sadly enough, with our society, we believe in so many things that they are worthy of our worship, sports, even sometimes uh, uh, movies, even sometimes ourselves. So sometimes we look at ourselves and we get caught up in the process that we start worshiping ourselves, and in the process we move God aside. So worship, it really means worship. It's sometimes they call it worship too, because you're preparing to go to battle. So in the Old Testament, worship had totally different purpose, different meaning. In the, in the Old Testament, it was all about feasts and festivals, and it was about ceremonies and just basically 
to uh, make sure that they're fulfilling the mosaic laws, right? They are, they just go on every corner and raise their hands and say, worthy, worthy, hallelujah, we'll praise you and raise you and all that stuff. And this is when Jesus says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're doing it to fulfill the law, but you really have no relationship. You have no adoration to God. You do it just because you reap the benefits of it as Pharisees. In the New Testament, Jesus changed the whole thing right away because he broke the religion, religion and then switched it to relationship. And that's really what uh, worship it means. It means to honor God. It means to give him reverence, to give him homage, to praise him and raise him for who he is. And that's really what worship in the New Testament, totally different. It's not focused about ritual, instead it's focusing, focusing about honoring and raising and praising God's name above all names. So, if you look the book of Psalms, it's really the book of Psalms, if you want to know how true worship is, you read that book. It's the workbook of worship. As a matter of fact, the last five chapters of the book of Psalms, the last five chapters from 150 to 155, they call them the book of hallelujah. This is exactly how God calls us to worship him. So if you know, if you'd like to know how God is asking us to worship, read chapter 150 to 155. So Satan or Lucifer, a lot of us, we don't know who he is. All we know is he's the enemy or is evil. But Satan was the worship leader in heaven. He was a main lead worshiping machine. He was actually leading the 24 elders and he was leading the angels when they used to worship. I mean, they still worship God, but when he was up there, everybody followed Lucifer. Everybody followed the, uh, Satan. And that's the main reason why he does what he does to make sure that we worship him. A very true example, Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, he asked him to bow down for him and praise him and and if he worships Satan, he was going to give him all the kingdoms of heaven, right? And that's, um, and that's basically what Satan does. He does not like us. He hates it when we worship. He does not like us worshiping God. So what, what he does, he distracts us with other things, to worship other things. A lot of it is carnal. A lot of it has nothing to do with God. And in the process, we become worshiper of him because we do walk away from God. We became not the intercessor, but we become the enemy because we've become on the other side. So God wants us to worship him. God wants us to worship him, and we'll go over that in a little bit. So the elders and the angels, they always, always worship God. They bow down, they take their crown, and they bow down before the throne, and they worship God day and night, night and day. That's how the Bible tells us that they worship him. So when we look at the book of hallelujah it's basically hallelujah it means praise thee praise thee praise you god praise you god so that's really what the books of hallelujah are all about highly encourage you to do them because that's how you learn to thank god for who he is not for the stuff and the blessing that he imparts on your life and mine and that's what the relationship is is we get caught up in the trap that we become our own god but god tells us hey listen Look at your order of the creation. You are not God. I am God. And I ask you to worship me, and there is ways to worship God. So we, a few days ago, actually, for you, uh, the last few weeks, we talked about how God created us in three elements, right? Spirit, soul, and body. And we said spirit 
is basically how we communicate with God. Soul is mind, will, and emotion. And then the body is the flesh and our desire. But not until we connect. See, our spirit is designed to connect with, with God's spirit. Are we connected with God through worship? Because when we worship him in spirit, that's how we connect our spirit, connect with God. Our soul is the one that's designed for prayer. So we want our spirit to connect with God and also tell the soul what's the desire that God is allowing us to desire. And that redeemed soul will allow our body and tell our body how to behave. So look at the relationship, spirit from God, and then tells the soul what to desire, and then the soul tells the body how to behave. But we can't do that until we worship God, and it's, it's amazing how that works, and I'll explain to you how that whole relationship works. So Jesus sitting at Jacob's uh, well, right? And then here is that Samaritan woman comes in. She had no clue. She had absolutely no clue who she is going to encounter, right? So this is what Jesus tell her, in, without going through the background of the whole story, but this is what Jesus tell her. By the time, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. When true worshipers, true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must, absolutely must, not a choice, worship him in spirit and in truth. It's a wonderful statement from the God of creation to tell us that he is going to seek true worshipers. He is seeking us. That's amazing. When you look at the God of creation is telling you and I, if you worship me in spirit and in truth, I'm going to seek you. And from there, only there, God will meet us and bless us. So in spirit. So when you and I who worship God in spirit, it's really when we invite the Holy Spirit to take over. That's why every Sunday I ask the Holy Spirit to lead. That's why it's important to us to make sure that God's presence is here. But when we worship in spirit, we're actually partnering with the Holy Spirit. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to come and worship God and glorify Jesus with us. But if you ever felt that way, you know that that takes you to a different dimension. When you worship God in spirit, you feel that connection. It takes you to a totally different dimension of relationship and worship, and you feel the love of God hitting you from your head to toe. Well, even when we feel that, it does not make us elite. It does not give us um, a superior status over other people. It does not give us a spiritual status that we look at people in a different lenses. It just gives us a privilege to share that feeling with other people and let them know how it feels when we allow the Spirit to lead and also when we worship God in spirit. So this is how we worship God. We worship Him, allowing the Holy Spirit to connect and raising and praising our hands and our soul and everything who we are to God and give Him reverence and give Him honor. That's the only way God wants us to worship Him. But also we have to worship Him in truth. And this is really cool. Please pay attention to this because a lot of us, we don't understand what this means. We just worship. But we don't understand that, yes, sometimes we get that connection with the Spirit and we feel it, but we don't realize that when we worship God, also we have to worship Him in truth. What that means, it's very simple. 
with all sincerity. You gotta worship God and you're very transparent. Whatever you're going through right here, right now, when you worship God, you lay it all down. You tell him exactly how you feel. You tell him exactly how you feel. No agenda, you come as you are. All your dreams, all your hopes, all your future plans, it's irrelevant. You come to God and you lay everything. No hidden agenda, nothing is hidden, nothing. That's how we worship God in truth. So when the Bible tells us, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. So how God is going to know you and I if we come to him and worship him in spirit or without being transparent with our own agenda? You and I, we're not going to know somebody. We can know of a lot of people. Um, you know, give you an example. We know a lot of athletes. We know a lot of actors, right? We know a lot of singers. They are famous. But not until these people, they invite you to their life and they become transparent, then you will get to know them. And that's what God has called us to do. It's an invite. We invite God, but also has to be matched with transparency. And that's the truth. So when we worship God, we have to worship him in spirit and truth. Nothing hidden. But the thing is, God is not going to, is not very invasive. He is not going to push himself to come to a place where he's not invited. And that's why it's really important when we worship God in truth that we ask God to come and take over. We ask God to lead us. We ask God to show us where he wants to go and tell him what we're going through and ask him for counsel and ask him for solution and ask him for wisdom and ask him to recharge us and renew our strength. So he knows us. He knows our hair, right? He knows every hair. Actually, every hair on our head is numbered. So he knows who we are. But again, not until we invite him, not until we ask him to come in and be the center of our, our universe, things will change. So you look at it, you know somebody, two things they have to happen, an invitation first, and then you have to be transparent to that person for him to get to know you. And that's basically the way, the way it is, and that's the same relationship with God. Okay. So the Bible tells us everything and everyone. This is who is to worship God. So who is to worship God? So we know how to worship God. We have to worship him with partnering with the Holy Spirit and with truth, with no hidden agenda. Right? Nothing is hidden. And then who is to worship God? Who is called to worship God? Look at the scripture. The scripture tells us that everything, absolutely everything, no exception, that has breath, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So everything that has a breath, all the creation, it's designed in some way to praise and worship God. So everyone, everyone and everybody is called to worship God. There is no exception. So why are we to worship God? What's the reason? What's the reason for him to allow us to worship him? And I thought about this, and thought about it, and thought about it. Does really God need our worship? No, he doesn't. He is in need of nothing. God is in need of nothing, absolutely nothing. But when we worship him, we get to know him, right? The things that he loves, we love. The things that he dislikes, we dislike. When he smiles, we smile. 
When he gets angry, we run away? No, we're not Jonah. We run back to him because now we don't want him to be angry because he says, okay, what did I do? How can I fix it? Just like a good dad would do. No difference than you and I when we have a birthday party for our dads and we sing happy birthday, right? We're praising our dad. We're telling him, hey, we love you. You are worthy. And that's the relationship with God. But at the end of the day, he really does not need our worship. Does not. Does not. So why are we worship God? I'm going to go over a few things, but I'm going to really go deeper next week. But why are we worship to God? Because out of his love, out of his love to us as a good father, God starts entering where we invite him. When we worship him in spirit and truth, he listens. He has his hands cuffed behind his ears and he's listening to true worshipers. Listening. Listening who is worshiping in truth and spirit. I always use this analogy when I teach about worship as it's a big church and full with people and they, they're all worshiping, but they're not worshiping in spirit and truth. They're worshiping the Old Testament way, no more than ritual. And the Holy Spirit is hovering through the whole church, going looking for true worshiper because God is Holy Spirit, right? And he's looking for true worshipers and there is none, zero, inside the church. And then outside the wall of the church, here's a little kid. She's down on her knees and she's just crying her heart out, praying for her God's recovery. He is dying. And right then and there, the Holy Spirit leaves all these people and find her outside the walls of the church, crying down on her knees and says, here she is. That's the true worshiper that I'm looking for. Look at her. Look at her. She's crying her heart out. She's praying and praying and praising God and asking for God to heal her dad. And that's how it works. That's how it works. So when we worship God in truth and spirit, he hears us and he comes where we invite him. He starts engaging with us when we let him, only when we let him, because remember, God is not very, he's not invasive, he's not good. He's not going to invade your privacy unless and until you invite him first. And this is the cool one. He starts touching parts of your life that we did not even know that it needed to be touched. Isn't that cool? So when we have wounds and scar and we are damaged, but we are in denial because we just want to mask it so we become more stronger and more powerful so we can face life. When we invite God to our heart and our life by worshiping in spirit and truth because no hidden agenda right no hidden agenda we just right there laid it all down he comes to us and he touches he heals the old scars that they're still bleeding but we are now willing to heal instead we put a band-aid on it and we keep moving isn't that cool because he sees it he knows it he knows everything about us but he's waiting for an invitation in transparency. And the only way you can do that by worshiping in truth. He goes first. And this is where I love about this. He goes first because he knows that he knows that we are in the middle of a spiritual warfare. So he goes to this battlefield, you know, with us and for us. And to me, if that does not encourage you, I don't know what else can. Going through the battles and the spiritual warfare 
of every day's life, right? If you know that, you know that when you worship God, He actually walks before you. He goes before you and fights the good fight. And this is where the misconception of worship. Most of us, we never thought what worship is all about. We never understood what worship is all about. We wait until we come to church and we believe that this is the place and the time that only we need and call to worship God. But worship is not like that. Worship is a lifestyle. We are called to worship God every second of every day. As we move in, as we talk in, as we're going through our daily routine, that's we can worship God as we go. We do not have to worship God in the church. We are called to worship Him in the church. We have to recall them. We are called to have corporate worship, but worship is a lifestyle too. You can worship God, and we are called to worship God all the time. We don't need music. We don't need instrument to spark our worship. Actually, it's the opposite. Our worship is supposed to spark the music and instrument and everything else. In the books of Hallelujah, God asks us to use instrument and loud voice to worship Him, to declare our reverence and our honor to Jesus Christ through our loud voice and our honor. And of course, it has to be in a managed environment, but, but that's how worship works. We worship God in everything we do. So next week, we'll go over that in a much uh, deeper and, um, and that's really what worship is all about. For now, that's, I'm going to just share that with you. And next week, we'll talk more about why are we called to worship God and why it's important, you and I, to, to be a good spiritual leaders in our household, teach our kids to worship. With that being said, we're actually thinking about changing a few things here and having more of a family worship uh, services. So we'll have the family, the kids, and then in the process, we have the whole family grows. So when the kids go back home, they interact with their parents and ask questions. And then the parents, they give themselves and set them up to minister to their kids, to tell them, okay, yeah, pastor talked about Moses, right? Or about the Holy Spirit, about repentance, about sin, about any issue that we will be addressing and unpack, and that gives the parents a chance to even take it deeper and listen to their kids and interact with them. And in the process, the whole family grows. So this is really something that's really important, really, really, really important. I encourage you to read more about worship and understand that worship is not about us. Worship is about God and God alone. And in the process, we invite him and he start touching our lives and changing us and transforming us. So it's our obligation, like Paul says in the book of Romans, it's an obligation. And he is not ashamed and he's eager to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for us to be true worshipers, we become more like Jesus. To be a true worshiper, God will seek us. And, and this, this, is, this is huge to me because every time I teach about worship, and I realize that in order for us to worship in spirit and truth, we have to be submissive. We have to have no agenda. We have to be very, very open. And that sometimes is hard for us to do, especially men, right? We, hard, we always don't like to open up. 
But when it comes to God, and you look at God from the lenses as a godly father, not a just, a, not just God with, with the lenses that he is going to get mad if you uh, don't listen to him, things change. And same thing, when you look as a daughter at your heavenly father and you realize that this is the relationship that he designed it to be, is to have a daughter and father relationship, everything changes. So worship God, partner with the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit to come to you and come in you so you can raise and praise God and give him all the honor and all the glory. And the second thing, just lay it all down, no hidden agenda. No difference that when you want to know somebody at a higher level, you invite them and then you open them. So an invitation followed with transparency. That's how we worship God in truth.